Project Loving Myself Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Mindfulness is for anyone and everyone, and you can start at any age. It's never too late. It's going back to the practice of pausing before reacting. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another thought-provoking episode of Project Loving Myself. And this one is all about the choices we make in our life. Many of us make plenty of excuses for why we have to do the things we do, even when we are not inspired by it, nor are we happy. We are afraid to throw caution to the wind and live our dreams because of all the things that could go wrong before we even get there. The thought of failing is even more powerful than the possibility of success. But what if it doesn't have to be that way? What if we could have it all? Our guest today uses mindfulness and meditation as superpowers that allow her to live her most authentic life. Bianca King is a household name in the Philippines, having starred in various TV shows and films ever since she started her showbiz career at the early age of 18. Aside from that, she's also a model, a traveler, a blogger, a certified fitness nutrition coach, a wellness advocate, and the secret ingredient behind Made Mindful, a lifestyle brand that aims to encourage people to live mindful lives by offering sustainable, high-quality, and affordable products made for overall well-being. Bianca King is the true modern-day woman that many of us aspire to, who lives a mindful and meaningful existence combines passion with purpose, and lives intentionally while still enjoying her life and staying true to her craft. She is really the epitome of Project Loving Myself. I'm sure you are as intrigued as I am about how she manages to make this all happen. So let's go ahead and find out. It's a pleasure to have you here, Bianca. Hi, thanks for having me and for that wonderful intro. 
I never thought of myself as a household name. <laughs> well, you definitely are. I mean, this is coming from the viewpoint of your audience. You know, everyone who is looking at you sees you, I think, as this person that they want to be, you know? And so wow. I want to know more about Thanks. who this person really is. Okay. Okay. So, Bianca, you recently got married and you moved to Australia. So, first of all, congratulations on your marriage to Ralph. And how is this new stage of life treating you so far? Was this an easy transition into this brand new chapter or did it come with its own share of challenges? Of course, it came with the challenge of managing our own anxieties during the pandemic because we got engaged right smack in the middle of it. And I was already here in Australia, actually, when we got engaged. And it came about because I was thinking of flying back already. So it's kind of like, deciding how are we going to pursue being together and one way to do it was to get married so like I'm officially I'm officially a part of his family as well it's just me and him really so it's like making things official in that way so we can stay together legally in this country <laughs> basically um was the challenge but we didn't intend on doing things that way it was really because I got stuck here last year um, the first couple of months were a little bit rocky, but now that, you know, we've kind of got it into our groove of being a married couple, it's been, it's been, it's been very good. Like, I'm very grateful to really have found that, that life companion that I will be with through thick and thin, hopefully. <laughs> you know, um, Bianca, just listening to you reminds me of how many people I've worked with over the course of the pandemic who have struggled with relationships. You know, they've struggled with distance. I've worked mm. with single people who are wondering if they will ever meet someone in the pandemic, you mm. know, considering, you know, these countless lockdowns, the difficulty in interacting with people, the distance, the isolation, the loneliness. So that's one side of it. And then you have other people who are in relationships. Perhaps they're in different countries. Perhaps, you know, they're in different cities. And then the challenge is how do they, how do they interact? How do they make this relationship work when there is distance that's not even like their choice? It's imposed on them, you know, and people can't travel. People can't get married. I have a lot of friends in that kind of state as well. And, and then there are those people who have made the choice like you that it's not worth it to have to deal with the distance and all the challenges that comes along with it and have decided to take the plunge. And I think this is the time more than ever in our life that we need our, you know, we need our partner, we need our soulmate, we need our companion because the pandemic navigating it on our own is such a challenge, you know? So what are your thoughts about that, Bianca? Do you think that it was an easy decision to make? Do you think that, you know, had you made different choices, what would have happened? Give me your thoughts on that. It could have gone two ways, right? I, I could have I could have decided to go back to my to the comfort of my life with all my friends and my dogs even and my yaya in the Philippines and the driver and you know, just like the things that I I was used to and that made me who I was there. But that would mean sacrificing being with Ralph, which I was not willing to risk. I knew that if I had left, the next time that I would see him would probably be years from now. So 
I did, I, I do know a couple of people as well who were separated by that. It was really hard for them. Like I also had a friend who was here um, and who flew back to the Philippines to be with her boyfriend, left her family here. And I also know some people that the isolation with their partners and their husbands caused the downfall of their marriages. So, you know, it's different for everybody. But for me personally, it was really like a decision that I had to make if I wanted to keep this person in my life. I, if I left, it was pretty much like we would have broken up now. So that was my experience. And I really dropped everything. My work, my my dogs, I left in the Philippines. Like I dropped everything to be with Ralph here in Australia. And um, what people don't know is I didn't come here to intentionally stay here. I came here on vacation. I arrived on the 8th of March, a day before Ralph's birthday. And the pandemic was declared a few days after that. And the borders closed. I came here with one suitcase. And I never went back to the Philippines. My friends had to sell all my stuff, pack my stuff, and ship it here. So I sold maybe, I'd like to say, 95% of what I owned. I shipped a fourth of a container here of my stuff. And I haven't been back since. Wow, that is a life-altering decision, Bianca. I mean, you essentially changed the entire trajectory of your life mm -hmm. with that one choice. Yes, yes. And what's really interesting is the pandemic made it happen. I mean, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, things True. would have, you know, turned out a completely different way. Right? That's very true. I'm also glad you brought up the point about how you also know of couples that being alone together during the pandemic is what broke them up. And I can actually um, share something that I noticed is I have a lot of different couple friends and I, and I saw how different couples fared differently during the pandemic. So I have um, noticed that some people who are actually really social people, they were couples who were very social. For them, the pandemic was an experience of you know, we're actually getting to know each other in a completely different capacity with no distraction. You know, we don't have these different engagements to go to. We, we're not like a couple who goes out together and, you know, meets other people. Now we are a couple who is getting to know each other in a very different way during the pandemic. So I noticed that also with um, my marriage is, you know, we had to kind of rediscover the rhythm between mm. me and my partner because everything changed. Right. And I know that has been more difficult for certain people, for certain couples, and it's been actually a godsend for other couples. So like you said, the experience is so uniquely different for every person. Now, do you think, Bianca, that these experiences were sort of appropriate or needed for each person? Maybe to to learn from it, to to grow from it. Like in your case, you left everything for love. I mean, is that something you ever thought you were going to do? Has it been an incredible learning experience? Like, what has your experience done for you? Basing on who I was before, being independent and headstrong and working for myself and managing my own household, you would have never thought that I would give everything up for love. But 
I was 34 at the time already, and I know how hard it is to date in the Philippines. It's almost impossible. Like, I, I had already surrendered to the fact that I would never find anyone there. I just let go already. I was like, if I meet someone, then that's good. If I don't, then I'm okay. I will just have dogs and be happy. So the fact that I found someone, I I really wasn't willing to risk losing that. And I was just so, so, so grateful again to just have found someone and have that part of my life kind of be at peace already. Because, you know, in in our 30s, that's when we kind of think of like, oh, am I going to grow old alone? Am I never going to meet someone? So that was my individual experience. But I think it also had it, it also had a lot to do with knowing that Ralph is the right one that made it easy to give up everything. Because I think there are also a lot of people who aren't sure if the person that they're with is the right one. So they're not willing to make all of those sacrifices. But for me, everything everything seemed to fit. He was really everything that I wanted for myself. So yeah, I, I got extremely lucky in that sense. I also think, you know, Bianca, I don't think you really gave it up for Ralph. You gave it up for the two of you. You know, it wasn't like you, 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 you know, moved for a person, but you moved for a life together. And I think that's where sometimes people resist the idea of, you know, making these big moves or changes for the people they love because they think that they're giving up their independence. They think they're mm -hmm. giving up everything about their identity. When in fact, I think, especially when you're a little older, because I had a very similar experience. You know, I, I only met my husband when I was also like 30, 31. And I had dated quite a bit at that point and thought that, you know, I'll never find somebody who really feels like the one. Like, is there even such a concept as the one? You there know, is. And there is, right? I mean, I learned that too, because when you're younger, I think that you might find the one, but you're so young that that maturity hasn't come in to value and appreciate the one because you found it a lot easier, right? You found it younger. And sometimes there's, you know, regrets. Maybe I didn't explore enough. Maybe I didn't see what my options are. Maybe there was more to do in my life. And so that experience for a younger person is very different. And I think that as I've worked with a lot of people in um, relationship counseling, the younger couples have to deal with that challenge of learning to appreciate and value what they have. And people who, you know, meet their partners when they're a little bit older, when they're more mature, they know how to value and appreciate. They're the ones I feel who are more committed to keeping that relationship together. How is it for you at the age of 34? You know, you met him, you have gotten married. Is it very different from the relationships you had when you were younger? You know, is the mindset different? Is the way you handle the relationship different? What do you think, Bianca? Absolutely different. So I met him when I was 33, got married at 34. Oh, sorry. I met him when I was 32, right before I turned thir 33, married at 34 already. Um, with my relationships in the past that were obviously all wrong for me because they did not last it really felt like there was something missing. It felt, it always felt like there was something off. And these were all of the red flags that were waving in my face and I kept pretending did not exist. 
And I would also keep thinking to myself, like, I actually honestly feel that I'm ready to settle down, be a wife, live with someone, have kids. But it wasn't, life was not unfolding that way for me with these people because they were not the right people. And then when I met Ralph, things just happened super fast because everything felt really right. Because I knew that he was the one, and we'll get to that later, how I found out that he was the one, because I'm sure a lot of women want to know, and men, how do you know? I used to ask everyone who was married, how do you know? They're like, basta, you just know. I'm like, but how nga? Hindi nga, you just know. No, there's a way for you to actually know. So with all of those feelings aligning and no glaring red flags, that's when I felt like, like, okay, this is this is really actually the person that I'm going to marry now and start my life with, be the father of my children, all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, that was that experience. You know, Bianca, just as you were talking, the question in my head was, I know people out there who are listening are asking, how do you know? So how do you know? How did you know that this was the one? Can you sort of break down this concept of the one for our listeners out there? Of course, this is just based on my experience, okay? This is based on my understanding of uh, trial and errors. And I've had I've had a lot of errors as well. So as we age, we start to understand more what our boundaries are, right? Like where, where we draw the line like the non-negotiables to the things that we can tolerate, to, to the things that we can change for. One thing that I'd like to tell my friends is with regards to how you know is if everyone that you care about and that you trust and that you respect genuinely and sincerely likes this person. If there's one person close to you who you respect and trust, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't feel comfortable around this person or is pointing something out that you haven't seen, then that's a red flag, that something's wrong. If there's any air of toxicity that you feel like can't, that can't be, can't be fixed through discussion, that's another red flag. So that's how you know that the person is not the one. And another thing about, or another feeling that you get when the, the person is the one is just an overall sense of security. So you feel emotionally secure, mentally, physically. It's not because, it's not just because, you know, you've, you've already tried to make yourself into this person that is attractive to this other person. No, it's not that. It's, it's just that feeling of contentment, like you don't need to be anything else. And it just feels like it's a good match. Like you're not trying to overreach to be someone else you're not or something that you're not. Like you can be your true authentic self and be loved by this person. You don't have to put this act on to try to be liked by this person. So to encapsulate all of that, it really it really all boils down to 
without a doubt in your mind, you know that this person is right for you and everyone that you care about will think that he's right for you too or she's right for you too. Because I I, I have friends that uh, whose families or siblings don't like their partners for them, but then yet they still choose to be with this person. So if your parents or your best friend, for example, is warning you of something, you should definitely pay attention to that and then re reassess how much more of yourself you want to give to this person to see if the relationship is right or not. You know, I um, that's the first time I've heard of that point of view, Bianca, that the people around you will know as well. And sometimes they are your red flags when they tell you something you, you're not looking at. And that's actually a really great tip. I never thought of it that way, but it's a really great tip because the people who love you will love your partner too if your partner is right for you. You know, and they obviously want the best for you. So unless they have some ulterior motive, which they they wouldn't if they are your, you know, close circle, your inner circle, I like to call them, then they're really people you should trust to help you make that decision. Speaking from my own experience, Bianca, uh, I too, you know, I can really relate to a lot of what you're saying because I had a very similar experience of finding my own partner. And I do agree that it's, it's like we are a lot more intelligent than we give ourselves credit for. So we see these red flags, okay, when we've been in relationships that didn't work out. And we've seen the red flags. It's just that we're in denial or we're afraid, you know, what's going to happen if we let this relationship go? Or will we ever find somebody again, you know, who might love us or who we might be able to have those feelings for? So I think it's the fear that sometimes makes us overrule or ignore these red flags. And I like the fact that you really called it out that you have to pay attention to those red flags because they are very important. Um, they're kind of like those humps, you know, with those speed breakers, the humps on the roads, right? They like slow us down and they make us have to question, is this really a relationship worth investing and committing to? Um, another point I wanted to bring up is you talked a little bit about boundaries. And I teach a class, Bianca, on relationships. It's a theta healing class. And one of the things that I teach my students is you need to have a list of what's important to you in a relationship. And there have to be certain things that are deal breakers, you know, and those deal breakers have to be communicated with your partner. And you need to both understand that this is the line you never cross. Okay. And if you're with somebody who constantly crosses those lines, you know, who goes against those boundaries, then that's a huge red flag. So I really love that you pointed um, that out as well. Now, for those people who are listening to us right now, you know, I'd love to hear your comments on this because I've, you know, not only friends, but clients, this is a very common question. How do you know if this person is the one? And I'd love to know if there are people out there who questioned, you know, their relationship. Is this the right one? Is this the one? And actually ended up happily together with that person. And the reason I want to know this is because I tell my students and my clients that if you have to ask that question, is this the one? You know, the doubt in itself is a red flag. Okay. And I know with my partner, when I met him, you know, it was a, it was a whirlwind, uh, uh, romance type of thing. I know it sounds very cliche, but we we knew in a month of meeting each other, we were going to get together. And it's because I never had to ask that question. I just knew. And like you said, you don't feel judged. 
you feel comfortable, you feel like you can be yourself, you can speak your truth, and your partner would love it about you, not just accept it, but would love those things about you. You know, you can say anything and your partner will appreciate it and respect it. And I think those are very important feelings to have in a relationship with your partner. Do you agree with that, Bianca? Yes, yes, I, I, I do. And that's where doing the work to become more aware of yourself comes in. Because when you are more self-aware, when you know yourself more, when you understand who you truly are, your core values, your core self, I think that makes it easier to find the one because you know exactly what you want and you will attract the right person that you want. And um, in connection to something that you said earlier about the list, when my last relationship before Ralph ended, and that was... It was a really bad one. I learned so much from it, but it was really bad. I journaled everything that I wanted in a guy, like everything that I deserved, everything that I didn't want him to be. And I was very like, I I, I even wrote down like the height, the race. I was very specific. And And I just, I just claimed it and like, let it go. And then almost a year after that, I met exactly the same person that I wrote in my journal. It's because I, I had I had kissed so many frogs and, and cried so much already. And my heart was broken so many times that I knew exactly what I didn't want to happen anymore. So again, don't feel bad also if you're if you're dating and it's not working out, if you were with someone for 10 years and it didn't work out. Just be grateful because through those, that is the path to learning who you're supposed to be and uncovering the truth of what you really want and what's going to make you happy. That's so true, Bianca. And in a way, um, you mentioned gratitude. So we really have to be thankful for all the frogs. You know, Mm -hmm. all the frogs that we have kissed allowed us to get in touch with who we are. And I I remember something someone said to me, like, you have to become the one, you know, you have to become the one that is ready for your one, you know, your plus one, because if you don't know who you are, then you won't know what you want in someone else either. And I think that's the key is the more clearer your vision for what you want in your life. And that goes for, you know, your partner, but it also goes for really anything you're trying to manifest in your life. The more clarity you have, the more specific you are, as you said, you were specific down to the height. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And the more you know exactly what you want and you can actually put it into a vision, okay, the more likely you are to get that from the universe because the universe only responds to our you know, our desires and our wants. And the universe doesn't know what to get, give you if you don't know what you want. So I love that I got a chance to kind of put that out there as well, that it's really about holding a clear vision of the partner that you want to be with. But now, Bianca, do you think that we need to be clear in terms of who it has to be, like a, an actual person? Or was your vision more like this is the type of person And, you know, I allow him in, or did you have your mind, like, did you actually have a reference, like a real person 
that it had to be like? How did it work for you? Okay, the height and the race was the mo- the two most superficial things on that list. Of course, of course, I I did write down personality traits, qualities. I didn't reference an exact person, but I did reference someone that my dad and my cousin-in-law was kind of like a brother-in-law so the husband of my cousin would get along with because he's a really good guy like he's he's like a stand-up kind of guy that seems to just say all the right things like very likable and my dad isn't hard to get along with but I find that a lot of men are intimidated by him, maybe because he's white. I don't know. But in in the past, that was my experience. Like, um, they never really had a connection with my dad. Like, they were friends. So that was one really important thing. Like, he has to get along with my dad as a friend. Like, they have to genuinely like each other. Um, and I just based everything that I wrote on the qualities that are going to make me happy. Like just the type of like ideal Renaissance man in my mind. That's what I wrote down there. I got pretty close. Not all of the traits were there. Like I got super, super close, but I think the important ones were covered. Amazing. So your deal breaker was that he had to get along with your father. Yeah. He had to like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And also you mentioned that, you know, you had some references for the type of person that you wanted. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, for, for a lot of women out there, it's, it's easier when you have a reference in your life, like, you know, good men, you know, men who you want um, your partner to be like, and then it's so much easier to manifest what you want. I think it's a bit harder if you've grown up not being able to trust any men, you know, if you've had a father that, you know, who who hasn't been around or who hasn't treated your mother very well, or if you've go, grown, out, grown up without any male sort of figure in your life, I think it's a little bit harder. And people in that situation need to do a little bit of sort of healing work or resolution or kind of, you know, go out there and find sort of like somebody that inspires them in terms of the kind of partner they want in their life. Because that's kind of what happened to me, Bianca. I didn't see around me any marriage that kind of represented the kind of union or partnership I wanted. Because in my community, you know, male and female roles are very skewed. You know, they're not very equal. And I wanted a, a marriage, a relationship where there was a lot of equality and it was like a partnership. So I remember that one of the reasons that it took me time to find somebody is because in my mind, that kind of a man didn't exist, you know, because I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen someone like that in my life. I didn't have that reference, but, you know, I came across people and this is where, you know, traveling and interacting with different people really helped is I was able to see that there are, you know, marriages and men out there who are kind of a really good example of what I want in my life. You know, and it could be like a fictional character too. I sometimes I look at people in the movies and I'm like, that's the type of man, you know, who could make me happy. And I think that that kind of mindset of just knowing what you want also has a lot to do with not only getting to know yourself, but kind of having a vision for the type of person and the type of relationship and marriage you'd want to create. Right? Yes, I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. 
So I actually intended this episode to be a, a lot more about mindfulness, but we've gone <laughs> into soulmates and I love it. You know, I love what we've been talking about. I think it's so helpful for people out there. But I do want to ask you a bit about mindfulness, which I know is a big part of your life. You know, you've talked about practicing mindfulness for a long time now, you know, the concept of being present in the here and the now. So tell me, Bianca, a little bit more about how did you get into the practice of mindfulness? What started your journey, I would say, into that? Um, I would, I actually considered myself a very mindful person already in general, um, even before it became trendy to use the word. Uh, I practiced yoga already. So I was kind of aware of my body, uh, my thought process and all of that. But what really got me into it, uh, maybe around, I think this was six years ago, um, a really bad heartbreak, the death of my grandmother and a falling out with my mom all happening at the same time. And luckily, my yoga practice then was very, very strong. And uh, one of the yoga teachers that I really learned a lot from was offering meditation classes and a workshop on mindfulness. And at the same time, I was in psychotherapy as well. So it kind of all came together that this was the formula that I needed to heal myself from these three very heartbreaking things. So I really did the work. Like I spent every day just like journaling what was going on in my mind and what I had to do for myself to heal. And meditation was probably the key to coming out of the depression. It's just learning how to pause and understand what I was feeling and separate myself from the emotion. I am not how I feel. I feel this way, but I am not how I feel. So for example, I feel like crying today. I feel sad today, but I'm not a sad person. And it's okay that I'm sad today because I went through all of this stuff. So what mindfulness in that moment helped me do was come to terms with all of these devastating emotions and help me process them and understand how I was going to get myself out of it because there was no one else that could help me but myself. Of course, the therapy, the workshops, those kind of gave me the tools, but it was really up to me what to do with those tools and to have the discipline to apply those to my life. And, you know, that sparked my advocacy, I guess, of sharing that to people where, you know, to make people realize that happiness is inherent inside of all of us. We have it in us. We just have to access it. And sometimes things happen in life and they make us forget that our default baseline is happy. And we just, we just need to learn what tools we have to bring us back to our baseline. So you can imagine having gone through all that emotional pain then and discovering this, it really, it really changed my life. It changed even what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And even, even, I guess, pulled me out of show business a little bit. You know, I want to highlight a few things you said. You said, I am not my emotion. And that's such a strong statement. I think it's something that we should all be reminding ourselves to separate what we're feeling and who we are and 
a lot of times we get lost in what we're feeling that we forget who we are. You also said happiness is inherent in each and every one of us, like it's our baseline. So to kind of keep that in mind too, that I'm just going back to my status quo, which is happiness. You know, that's, that's all, that's all it takes. It's not as, you know, it's not as intimidating as I have to heal myself. I have to, you know, resolve everything I have. It's just, I need to get back to being happy. You know, it's simple. And I think if we put it that way, then it doesn't seem like something so difficult for all of us to do. So thank you for sharing that. That really, I think, was very, very helpful. Now, Bianca, you have said something I read, um, one of the articles, you said, our choices matter. Why is it very important to be mindful about our choices in life? Okay, so our choices matter in the context as a consumer, what we buy directly affects the environment, people around us, of course. But our choices also matter, for example, when we make a decision in a relationship, right? We have to assess how our decision is going to affect that other person. But I say that our choices matter in terms of consumerism because there is an emergency that's happening out there right now. I don't want to get into it too much, but the obvious one in the Philippines is that we have a waste problem in the Philippines and that tap has to be turned off. No matter how many times you clean up a beach, it's not going to solve the problem. So for me, choosing products that help address that problem is our way of turning the tap off on the waste problem, on all the garbage that's piling up in the landfills and the waterways and pouring out into the ocean. It's really up to us. Of course, it's also up to the people who manufacture all of these things, right? And that's why I entered that um, industry to try to make changes at the core so that consumers like you like me have an easier time making those mindful choices now before we get to the next question we're going to be right back after this short break hi this is mirza season got lots of goals and dreams but are phased by obstacles join me as i help you unpack the tools you need to navigate through life's sometimes bumpy roads listen to my podcast called you can do this. You can do this. Available in all major podcast platforms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So tell me, Bianca, a little bit about this brand. You have a lifestyle brand, Made Mindful, right? Which offers yeah. virgin coconut oil as the main product. Now, I read on the website that through this, your brand aims to decrease the production of landfill wastes in the Philippines by using recyclable and biodegradable packaging while supporting the livelihoods of Filipino coconut farmers and the education of students in Lukban, Quezon through scholarship programs. Now, this sounds like a tall order, but you're actually doing it. Okay. Now, what pushed you to start such an inspirational brand? And how does it feel to sort of combine like your advocacy, you know, what you feel so passionate about with this business or this um, passion that you you have, obviously, with this brand you've created? There are multiple reasons. So what is environment, of course, and the other one was my own skin problems. Um, with the environment, it, it always bothered me how people in the Philippines can turn a blind eye to all the waste on the street. It's like I, I already came came to a point where I can't pretend this does not exist. Like I have to try to do something. And it's because I am so connected to nature through through mindfulness, it really drew me to the environment around me and made me appreciate everything around me. So that's when I couldn't ignore the, I guess, awareness that I had that there was a problem. So how was I going to solve that? I have to create products that don't add waste to the landfills, right? And then the other aspect of it is that I went through a year of skin issues, specifically perioral dermatitis around my nose and my mouth. And then the other one was I had dandruff of the face where you could see in my eyebrows. And throughout this whole year, I saw like dermatologist after doctor after doctor and dermatopathologists even to try to understand what was happening to my skin. And most of them just gave me creams and stuff. And I would use the cream and then they would go away. But after I stopped the cream, it would all come back again. Okay. So I, I said, can you point me to the doctor that's going to help me get to the core of what was happening to my skin? So I saw Doctora Viralio of VMV and she did a patch test on my back. And then that's where I saw that I was allergic to a lot of the stuff that is in conventional home care and personal care. And she didn't try to sell me anything that she makes. All she said to me was detox your skin from everything that has fragrance, dye and harsh synthetic stuff. So I took that advice and I took out everything in my house that had a scent. And I went on a crazy search for things that were, that were all natural, organic, fragrance-free, um, naturally scented even, which was also quite hard to find. This was about four or five years ago. And then three years ago, I just came up with the idea, like, it's so hard to find all of these things that I need. Why don't I just make them? 
So I started working with a pharmacist in 2018 um, for some home essentials that are natural, no nasties, no single use plastic, basically everything that I wanted, but it's taking very long. So I thought that manufacturing was going to be an easier business but what I didn't understand is that I was playing with chemistry and plus the fact that the brand values that I chose I don't want to use single-use plastic so imagine having to create something from scratch and not having to use plastic it's really difficult yeah um and Everything that I'm going to be releasing starting the end of this year, hopefully, is coconut-based. So to kind of get my feet wet in the online industry, I figured, what can I sell that is an essential that I love, that I believe in, that I can vouch for, that I've been using for years and years? And it's kind of at like the core of what the other products are. And of course, it was virgin coconut oil because everything else that I'm making is coconut-based. So what I did is I sourced the best VCO, unrefined, food-grade, FDA-approved VCO that I can find, packaged it in a glass bottle, made it look really good, aluminum cap, FSC certified paper for the label. So that's Forest Stewardship Council. And... This is this was also another challenge without the use of bubble wrap. So I had this designed by an industrial designer. So everything is shipped to you without plastic, unless of course the couriers do it behind my back. So yeah, so that's that's kind of like the background of the entire idea. So VCO is kind of like the precursor, but it's not my main product. It's really something that I thought everyone should have in their homes, especially right now, because it's a multi-purpose oil that you can use for your skin, for your hair. You can cook with it. You can bake with it. You can clean with it. And interestingly enough, it supposedly also helps fight the symptoms, mild symptoms of COVID. So that's all over the news right now. And that was just a coincidence. So it's very timely. It's very timely to have released this product and this this brand that kind of encapsulates everything I believe in. You know, um, first of all, it's a beautiful, beautiful bottle. For those of you who are listening and not, you know, watching us yet, I mean, it is a gorgeous bottle. And it really, I think, stands for everything that you mentioned. You know, this is something that is really sustainable. This is something that is very important. It is something that we can use for a variety of different things. And I know that on your website, um, mademindful.ph, not only are there a lot of different articles about uh, your experience and and sort of your advocacies and different ways of of, uh, using this uh, VCO, um, you also said that the website is like a friendly guide to mindful living. So putting that all together, Bianca, for me, Made Mindful is more of your personal advocacy than a business. And I think that is sort of reflected in the values of the, the brand. You know, you're not trying to just sell us something that we don't need, but you are really putting yourself behind something that could be very helpful for a lot of people out there. And I think that this is something, um, and I mentioned this before, that 
I'm seeing in the world of entrepreneurship that people are actually standing behind products that they believe in. And people are trying to really um, you make sure that the, the what they're selling espouses those values, those um, visions that they have for this world. And I really have to applaud you and congratulate you for doing this. You know, it's kind of like this, this, this is such a great idea. It's such a great product and you've done it so well, but nobody else thought of it. You know, I, I have not seen anyone else do this. So I think it's amazing. And I think that everyone listening, you guys should definitely check out mademindful.ph. I mean, this is something you definitely want to have. Now, what I want to know, Bianca, is do you think that this is kind of a natural process that first we get into mindfulness and self-awareness, that this is kind of the pathway to discovering our purpose, discovering our passion, our advocacies, and then we would naturally, you know, veer towards perhaps missions, visions, and even uh, businesses that contribute to the world in a more positive way. So do you see this as kind of a, a natural pathway that would lead us to our personal goals, to our life purpose? So part of what I wanted to do with Made Mindful is just not to sell things to people, but rather sell them on the idea or the concept of mindfulness and how living a mindful life is a path to happiness because it's really all about self-improvement, right? When you live mindfully, when you're mindful of everything in your life, everything that you eat, everything that you use, everything that you wear, how you spend your money, who you talk to, what you watch, where you go, this 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 helps you re reassess the choices that you make in general right so from my own experience being mindful of every single thing in my life has led me to be the type of person that wants to help other people through a product that I believe in and that I think is good for the entire world as well. It's not just good for you as a person, but it's good for the environment as well. So I guess living mindfully or going on that path, like maybe, maybe become a better person. It made me reassess my wants and my goals in life and what I draw happiness from. It's not, you know, it's not external things like wealth or image or acknowledgement from people, but it's just the mere fact that I can share this lifestyle with people that has helped me become happy. And now I'm kind of giving you or sharing you the path, sorry, sharing with you the pathway to that based on my own experience. And this is probably a good time to also talk about this. PDF that I've been writing for the past few months, which is my, my guide to it's, it's a, it's a 12 week handbook on mindful living. So every, every aspect that you would need to become mindful, I laid out in this book in like a practical action plan type. Um, and it's a it's a PDF that you can write on. It has journal prompts. 
So the topics that we talk about here in the PDF is mindful sleep, mindful eating, mindful movement, mindful attention, mindful connection, mindful reflection, mindful meditation. And then week eight is mindful spaces, mindful fashion, mindful money, mindful impact, and mindful consumption. So I basically gave the roadmap of the things to consider. I'm not saying this is the only way, but the things to consider if you want to start your journey to mindful living. And um, what makes this PDF very interesting is that there's a meal plan in it as well, because people always ask me about food and diet. There's also over 25 unpublished recipes. And this meal plan is actually the meal plan that I gave to Rachel Peters, who competed in Miss Universe three years ago, I think. So I put that meal plan here. She she asked me for help with her meal plan. And all of the recipes are there. Wow. Um, and it also has a lot of helpful links. So this is kind of just to get people interested in the topic, but there are links in the PDF to link people out to more things that they can read. Um, there are also videos and book and app recommendations on mindfulness and sleep and all of all of the topics here. So if anyone is interested in doing the work and becoming more self-aware and starting the journey of introspection, this is going to help them do that because at the end of every week, there's a journal prompt. Well, there are a few actually, uh, which kind of helps you write about the experience of that week. So we focus on one topic per week and then lead you into the next one. And the most important one is sleep. That's why that's number one. You know, I want to get my hands on this, Bianca. When is this going to be ready? And does it have a title yet? It has a title already. It's called Mindful Living Guide, a 12-week handbook for you from Made Mindful. Um, and how people are going to get it, they just need to go to www.mademindful.ph and subscribe to the newsletter. The first email that they will receive is the table of contents and a welcome note from me. And the PDF now is is being finished by the graphic designer. So it should be done any day now. And it really took us a long time to write. It's about 40 pages long. So it's kind of like a mini book. This sounds so exciting and completely aligned with, I think, what you talked about, you know, the, the website, the products. I mean, this is just really, really spectacular. Now, I want to know a lot more about mindfulness. I, I didn't, you know, probably didn't occur to me until you started listing all these topics about how just mindfulness is really the route to fixing a lot of different things in our lives. Now, Tell me about how being mindful or more deeply self-aware, how did it affect your life? How did it affect your relationships with people, Bianca? Mindfulness with relationships. I think that's, I think that's one of the most life-changing things because when you're able to pause and not react right away to assess, to really think about what to say back or what to do, then that helps improve communication with people. It's like when you when you when you know how to not give a knee-jerk reaction to everything, that's where mindfulness comes to play. 
I think this is such a simple concept, but yet such a concept that has major implications for improving our life. And, you know, I always thought that sometimes it's the simplest things that make the biggest difference. So I am a big advocate of mindfulness myself, and I would love to share that with more people. So I'm really glad we're doing this episode on this, Bianca. This is just, this is so perfect. Now, on your mindfulness journey, Bianca, were there any instances that you felt like you were slipping or you were on the verge of giving in to these strong emotions or overwhelming situations you found yourself in? And given this perspective of mindfulness, how did you manage and deal with it? Probably just recently, um, because I just had shoulder surgery. I'm still in the sling. Um, And I did fall into a downward spiral recently and kind of like forgot everything that I knew just because I was feeling so down about not being able to use my body. I was in pain. Um, the lockdown here as well in Australia, we're going on the on the 10th week already soon. So kind of all of this stress compounded just made me so unmindful, so mindless. But at the same time, this was an opportunity for me to strengthen my practice because I had to breathe through a lot of the pain when the meds weren't working anymore, when I just couldn't deal. This was, it was the perfect opportunity for me to just sit with myself again and pause and just breathe. So through, through that compounded stress um, of not, of losing my, practice it also drew me back to my practice again so again you know it's 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 again it's again learning how to pause and sit with yourself and just do nothing and just watch your thoughts in your mind and be okay with them and just learn how to let those thoughts go I think also Bianca that what you did was instead of getting upset about your situation and drowning in that you saw it as an opportunity to go back to your practice, right? So, you know, a lot of times it becomes very difficult to let go of our resentment, our grudge, our anger towards the the challenge in our life at that point that we're in it. You know, we, we feel like we might get swallowed by it. But instead, if we use it as the springboard and almost, again, be grateful and thankful that we have this opportunity to re revisit or rekindle that relationship with ourselves, you know, to go back to what we believe in, then that's kind of part of the journey too, right? Every time we have the opportunity to get back into something, we go deeper. We discover it even more intensely. And so these difficulties and challenges in our life are really the biggest opportunities for our personal growth. So you mentioned uh, your shoulder Bianca, and I know that this shoulder has been uh, something that has challenged you for a big part of your life, correct? Like you've you've had a lot of pain and, and difficulty with the shoulder? Yeah, the pain, I was living with the pain already for a couple of years. And then I finally got an MRI last year and then found out that I needed surgery to repair the pain. Now, you mentioned somewhere that you kind of only took action with the shoulder now, whereas for the last couple of years, you were just kind of dealing with the pain. So this sounds like you faced some kind of uh, resistance or fear. Tell me a little bit more about it. Um, 
it, I wouldn't say it was fear in dealing with my shoulder. It was, it, it was more just like, it wasn't a priority at that time. It's, it's, it's more like I just kind of became not, I wouldn't say comfortable with the pain already, but it's like, I just got used to it until, until it actually, this is the real, okay. Now I, now I remember the, the real reason why I had to fix my shoulder, why I had to fix my shoulder already is because I was advised by the doctor that before I get pregnant, I should fix my shoulder because it was dislocating already. So it was because of my desire to become a mother already. That's what prompted me to really find out what was going on with it and not just be okay with the pain. So my only choice actually was to do the surgery. There was no way that it would fix itself. And I was told that if I didn't do the surgery now, I would definitely have to do it when I'm much older and it won't heal as well. So essentially you had no choice. Life brought this to you and you had to to do it. But I think that the mindfulness and the self-awareness made it a lot easier for you to have to deal with this. Because I've been through, again, experiences myself where I've had to do things because life just, you know, made it that way. Uh, an example I can give you is that um, I, so I have three children and my first two children were like normal delivery. And my third child, so after two reg- like normal deliveries, my third child was in breach, which means, and, and she was already kind of too big uh, to turn around. And so I had my first real, I would say, major surgery in my life because I had a C-section. Mm. And you know, I dealt with it so well. And I had such a good experience with it, mainly because I used also all the tools that I have to kind of breathe through it, get through it and, and stay as positive about every single experience that I was going through while I had to go through the C-section and the recovery. So I do see how, you know, having the right mindset helps us to deal with things like pain better. But I wanted to also call out that you mentioned something like you said earlier that you had gotten comfortable with the pain. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to is that we have these situations in our life, which are, I mean, they bother us, but we kind of get used to it and we don't do anything about it because it's just comfortable. And sometimes the universe or, you know, you can call it like um, your guide, your the God, creator, whatever you believe in, will sort of throw in a challenge in our life so that we have to kind of nip something in the bud or we have to face something or we have to kind of apply again all the tools that we have, um, which connects right back to how mindfulness has allowed you to have better relationships and improve your life in so many different ways. Is mindfulness living applicable to everyone, Bianca? Like there are people out there who are constantly struggling with negative emotions. How do they start applying mindfulness? How do they get out of what loop they're in and start putting this into practice? Mindfulness is for anyone and everyone, and you can start at any age. It's never too late. It's it's really, again, going, going back to the practice of pausing before reacting. So it's just being able to catch yourself, like when you want to react to something real quick, but then you're not sure what you're supposed to say or do it's just like taking a step back 
reassessing all the details, thinking about it first, thinking about it again, meditating on it again, and then deciding if it's the right thing to say or do. Anyone can do that. You don't have to be young. You don't have to be old. You don't have to be male or female. You don't have to be religious or spiritual. You just need to want to learn how to have more self-control. So it's, I guess you could connect mindfulness to having discipline, self-discipline, which is, of course, very, very helpful. Like if you want to sleep earlier, if you want to eat healthier, if you want to exercise more, if you want to be a nicer person, if you want to fix a relationship that's toxic, whether it's with a loved one, a partner, or a habit even. So changing, wanting to change habits all starts with mindfulness. Cultivating new pathways in your brain so you can actually become somebody else starts with mindfulness. It's a very simple concept, like you said, right? Like it sounds, it, it sounds complicated, but really... The concept of mindfulness is so simple in that all you need to do is pause and keep quiet for a second. That's all it's about. Pause and reflect. Pause and reflect. Pause and look inward. Introspection is another word that um, relates a lot to mindfulness. Digging deep inside. I agree with the discipline too. I think a really key factor is discipline, so cultivating discipline. But I have to say, Bianca, that you have made mindfulness so easy to understand. And, you know, not a lot of people can do that. Like in this conversation, I feel like you've made it so relatable. And I think for everyone listening out there, it's not daunting. You know, this is something we can all do. We just kind of Got to have a little bit of discipline, start applying ourselves, make a little bit of effort. You know, it's not rocket science. It's something we can all do. And the rewards, the fruits of, of our labor are going to be huge. So I think this is, this is wonderful. This is great. I, I have some interesting insight also um, with regards to pausing. So if we can identify the problematic habits or problematic thinking that we have, even in the things that we say, if you catch yourself at the impulse, like, for example, let's say my husband and I are talking about a certain topic and I believe one thing and he thinks the other thing, right? And I want to fight back. If I just say what I want to say without pausing first, I may not get the result that I want out of it, right? Because I kind of want to pull him to my side and kind of like agree with me, right? So so first, I would just take a step back, pause, listen, pause again before reacting. Another example that I can give is when you open your fridge when you're hungry and then there's a naughty food there that you really like. Let's say it's a leftover pizza or like like a piece of cake or something like that. Don't just mindlessly reach for it. Look at it first. Pause. Decide what you want to do. Pause again. Pick it up and throw it out. So just apply this habit of pausing before making a simple decision. And through 
cultivating that habit, you can apply that same practice to all the major things that you need to do. So if it's a decision whether to move to a different country and leave everything you knew for the man that you love or start a business, right? So um, yeah, that's that's one interesting insight on how to apply mindfulness today, like right after you watch this. And very, very useful, you know, and I, I realize also it really goes back to choices, right? Mindfulness is really about the choices we are making and making sure that the choices we make do not come out of, you know, our ego or that kind of fearful or negative part of us, or sometimes we refer to that as the shadow self, but really to make sure, is this really what we want? Is this really aligned with, you know, what we want out of our life? So I think the pause and reflect, the pause and introspect, I mean, these are things we can easily do and we need to just start doing that. And I'm definitely like, after our conversation, I'm totally going to remind myself to be a bit more mindful about a lot of things because you know I'm breastfeeding now and I just always want to go for the cake I always yeah. want to go for that so I'm going to definitely remind myself do I really need it do I really want it and see if I uh, if I can make better choices that way and I'm sure I will can I add something to that topic first before we proceed to this question sure yeah with regards to why our choices matter it's really not all about what we want. One thing that I want to say about that as well is our choices matter because of other people. So adding adding a layer of compassion to why you make a choice, to why you buy something, to why you don't buy something, to why you eat something, to why just adding compassion to the decision-making process, I think also leads to happiness because you're not making that choice out of selfishness, but rather because you care about people outside of yourself. You care about something larger than yourself, right? So I think that that makes it easier to be more mindful of our choices if we think about the impact that it has on the others around us and not just ourselves. That's amazing because it's not just limiting ourselves to what we can do for ourselves, but also what we can do for other people. Yes. So beautiful. Now, you come off as someone, Bianca, who loves to do a lot of things. You stay active, constantly moving. Given all of this and knowing that you've been in a, another lockdown that's going you know, past 10 weeks at this point, how have you managed to stay sane during this pandemic? Ooh, people are probably expecting I have all the answers, right? Oh, she's so mindful. She probably ne never has anxiety, never gets stressed or knows exactly what to do with it. Um, but that's farther from the truth. I'm, I'm very, I'm very human and can break and crack anytime. But the few things that I go back to that I feel always resets me is just being out in nature, just getting some sunshine on my face and feeling the grass on my feet, grounding myself to the earth and getting some vitamin D and some fresh air is really how I cope. 
again, it's such a simple thing. Like you don't need therapy, but if you want therapy, you should get it. I'm doing that right now. But what I do every day to reset myself is I just like step outside and walk in nature. I'm lucky that I live somewhere where that's accessible to me. But for people who don't have that, just find a park close by, just find a tree outside your house or or a garden somewhere. Another fix also that I like to work on when this is when everything that's happening brings me down is I focus on my sleep because I know that if I'm not sleeping well, that just affects every single thing throughout the day. So if I, if I'm, if I'm feeling off that day and that, that happens a lot these days, like most days in the week, I feel off now. I just sleep early. I just like lay in bed, write in my journal and just get some rest and just make sure that my time in bed with the lights off is at least nine, nine to 10 hours. So that guarantees me eight hours of good sleep. So if you want eight hours of sleep, don't go to bed at 12 and wake up at eight. If you want eight hours of sleep, you go to bed at 10 and wake up at eight. So yet you, you, you have to give yourself that, um, that allowance, I guess, to like fall, fall into your sleep and, and slowly wake up out of it, not dart out of bed the next day. So just those very simple things. And the third thing I would say is playing with my dog. Animals make me really happy and training my dog and just spending time with her just makes me happier amidst everything that's happening now. Those are some really good tips, Bianca, and especially the one about if you want eight hours of good quality sleep, you should be in bed for like 10 hours Mm because I definitely am guilty of like, I, I too, like I'm very particular. I feel like I, I need my seven to eight hours, but I don't give myself the allowance. And I always wake up thinking I didn't get the eight hours or the seven hours. This is, by the way, before I got pregnant and, and gave birth, because that's a different, you know, that's a different phase in my life. I'm lucky if I get six. But otherwise, um, and I, I'll get back to that life again, where, you know, I need to remind myself too that I need that cushion time, you know, I need the time to ease into the sleep and to ease out of the sleep. And instead of just calculating the eight hours, I need to give that nine or 10 hours. That's actually a great tip that I'm going to take from you. So yeah, that's, that's so um, helpful. Now, Bianca, although I have so much more (laughs) I want to talk to you about, uh, we are actually at the end of our episode. So I have one question that I like to ask all my guests. And, and my question is really something that uh, you believe in, something that you practice or something that you'd like to share with our listeners. What is your project loving myself message or mantra for our listeners? What is that one message you would like to leave um, the audience with? Mm, this is something I'd like to live by. And I say all the time and I, pl- and I try to apply to everything that I do now. Keep it simple. So fitting for our episode. It's because, simple. Yeah. Just don't, I mean, don't try to overcomplicate. We, we, we all overthink. Everyone overthinks. That's a common thing. But don't try to overcomplicate things by adding too much to the mix. Like take out the fluff and just keep it simple. 
get it done, move on to the next. I think that is, again, so appropriate for everything we discussed, especially because everything that you have related today is really about simplifying things that we don't have to, you know, be intimidated. Well-being is not difficult. It's not meant to be, you know, this lifestyle that we are sharing that we have worked into our lives is something that everyone can achieve, that anyone can work into their life. And so keeping it simple, really, that is our our uh, motto, our mantra for today. And I'm so grateful for everything that you have shared on this episode, Bianca. I have all these ideas of how I'm going to you know, talk to you after this interview, and we're going to do lots more things together. So I really am grateful for your time. I love your energy. And I am so impressed um, and inspired by what you are doing today, whether it's with the, the mindful living, with the, the VCO, with Made Mindful. Really, people like you, I think, are really going to make the difference that we need to oh. see in this world. Thank you so much. That's so nice. You're so kind. And I'm so glad that we met. Um, this is, I, I, I hope this is not the last time that we're going to talk because there is really like a lot more that I think we we can agree on and a lot more help that we can give to people just by talking. So I look forward to the next time where we can have a conversation like this. And thank you so much for having me and giving me the platform to share all of my ideas and, you know, hopefully reach out to those who need to hear the things that we're saying, because um, I, 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 I once was that person. And the reason I am here today is because, because I went on the journey. And if I was able to do it for myself, others can do it for themselves as well. And through people like you, I think, I think we definitely have the formula here to, to, make people realize that they can help themselves as well. Absolutely. Now, Bianca, would you like to share details on how people can reach you about your website? Please go ahead. So uh, if you guys would like a copy of the Mindful Living PDF, it's a guide, it's a handbook for you that uh, takes you on the journey, holds your hand actually through the journey of becoming a more mindful person, you just go to www.mademindful.ph and you subscribe to the newsletter there. And you can also follow us on Instagram that's mademindful.ph for some bite-sized content on mindful living and how to use our VCO product. And when you subscribe as well, you're also going to get a discount code and you will receive exclusive updates on our new product launches and follow me also on Instagram and Facebook, Bianca underscore King. And if you're interested to see my videos on YouTube, just search me there, Bianca King. That's it. Amazing. Thank you, Bianca. There are so many great sound bites from today's episode. So tell me what gave you aha moments by posting on your stories and tagging at Project Loving Myself podcast and tag me too at Sanaya Gurnamal on Facebook and Instagram. I loved all the great conversation starters and everything we learned from Bianca King. I'm so glad we had her on this podcast today and I have to thank you, my listeners, for connecting me to her. 
Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for me on Spotify and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts so that you can be notified every time I drop a new episode. Thank you for supporting this podcast with your love. My quote for today's episode is, wherever you are, be there totally. And this is by Eckhart Tolle, who is a spiritual teacher and author of The Power of Now and a New Earth. So he definitely knew what he was talking about. Mindfulness is an ancient philosophy, which is still so relevant today. So definitely check out mademindful.ph, get your hands on Bianca's PDF, and definitely take home a lot of those lessons that we got out of today's episode. Thank you for joining me this week on Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. You are loved. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>